It's Mile High Magazine, and I am Murphy Houston. Good to see you again on this Sunday morning, and we have special guests in from Mile High Youth Corps. We have the Director of Development and Communications. You know, I've been doing this for a long time, and I'm man enough to admit, Jessalyn, I'm not going to be able to say your last name. It's Sharzai. It's a great last name, but I'm Sharzai? Sharzai. I just did it. You did it. Jessalyn Sharzai? Right. Okay, I've got it. I thank you for coming in today, by the way, because I think you were kind of a last-minute <laughs> fill-in or replacement. I am. I'm, I braved the snow-drenched roads for you. Yeah. Did you drive through the traffic to get down here this morning? Which explains why I was five minutes late. <laughs> well, we should warn people more about that <laughs> to get going. So i got to tell you, in fact, uh, Jessalyn and I were talking a little bit. I've done this uh, Mile High Magazine for a long time. I've been in Denver for a long time. But it just amazes me when I hear about organizations coming in that I never knew existed. And you're one of them, Mile High Youth Corps. So let's start by talking a little bit about the background of who you are and what you're doing. Well, great. Well, thanks so much for inviting us to share about the work. Um, so Mile High Youth Corps is a 28-year agency, so obviously one of Denver's best-kept secrets, yes, I guess. Yes, yes. That's why you're here, to not make exactly. it a secret. Um, so we were started in 1992 by former Boulder County Commissioner Josie Heath. Um, it was started really as a neighborhood-based agency to um, help offset some of the unemployment and high dropout rate that young people were experiencing. Uh, that first summer, we started with 20 young people doing um, service opportunities throughout Denver. And now, fast forward, we're 28 years old. We serve 200 young people across 23 counties in the state. Okay. When you say you serve, what does that mean? So we provide career pathway programs uh, in four really distinct ways. So we have a land conservation program, an energy and water conservation program, a construction program, and then health care. Um, all of our uh, youth who are called core members um, receive opportunities to learn technical skills in these fields. And then they go out in the community and they provide service. So, um, and all, we're an AmeriCorps award agency as well. So all of our young people are receiving an education award while providing service to the community. So this is like a school, then you're teaching them things. Is that right? Is that right? So they're learning mostly on the job. So the construction and the healthcare program, though, are really unique. It's part of a youth build program, which is a national model that um, works with disengaged youth. So these are young people that have dropped out of high school. They come to us and they're learning um, in the classroom, working towards their GED. So they spend half of their time in the classroom with a tutor working towards that GED, and then they spend the other half of their time on the job learning technical skills, working in partnership with Denver Housing Authority to build affordable housing units. Um, we work with, in our healthcare program, they're working with the Community College of Denver to get their certification in nurse aid. And so they're being able to pair two really um, specific things. So working towards a high school equivalency diploma, and then also having some technical skills that they can enter into the workforce with. Well, that's fantastic. And you hear more conversations now than I have in a long time that that's not a bad direction for young people. Maybe college isn't right. Apparently, maybe high school wasn't right. But yet you can still get a direction for your life. And you guys are providing that, it sounds like. Right. So we provide a safe space for uh, young people to understand um, and learn. Is this something that they're interested in? So maybe they leave the program and they decide that they don't want to do a construction job or they don't want to do a healthcare job. But they're also learning essential skills while they're with us. So how uh, 
we do career readiness training. So how to communicate on a work site, how to talk to your employer, how to be punctual, how to celebrate successes when you do something really great, how to work in a team. So these are transferable skills. If you decide that you don't want to enter into the career pathway that you've been studying under, you still have the skills necessary to see success in the work. I know a lot of adults should be taking some of those courses that don't know how to communicate. Exactly. So, you know, if you want to come down, Murphy, we'd be happy to, you know, have you come and sit in one of our classes. I might like to see that. I could teach them how to communicate. (laughs) I'm sure you could. (laughs) I think I have a master's in communicate. Yeah, exactly. I I think so, anyhow. So you said there's only how many students involved? So we serve 200 young people ages 17 to 24. Oh, so it's beyond just the high school segment of their life. Yeah. So we deal with um, young people who come to us from all different walks of life. So we might have some high school dropouts, but we also have people who are here on break over college um, summer break. And so they'll come and work in our land conservation program. They want to come to Colorado. They want to work up in the mountains. And so we provide that opportunity. Wow. So... Where are you located? Do you have a central location here in Denver? Because you just said you're drawn from the entire state. We are. So we serve all the way from Broomfield County to the New Mexico border. We have three offices here in Denver. And then we have one office down in Colorado Springs that serves the Southern Front Range. And how do these young people get involved? Is it through education? Like maybe somebody, an advisor at high school could lead them that way if they think they need help and just be a good way to go. Right. So we have a youth and community engagement team. Um, We depend on 200 um, partners throughout the community. So similar to what you just described, Um, high school advisors, uh, counselors, you know, people who feel like this young person could probably use a boost and Mile High Youth Corps would be a good match. Um, We we do, you know, more typical job postings like a Craigslist ad you'll see. Um, We also have what we call our street team. So we have uh, core members who will go out with our community engagement team to places where young people are when they should be in school and tell them, share about their uh, similar life experience, share with them the opportunities that Mile High Youth Corps provided them and help get them engaged in the programs. Well, then you're like actually recruiting Right. So we're actually in recruitment season. So we are um, getting ready to we have one um, program that's going right now, which is really year round um, in our energy and water program. We also have a fire uh, crew that's running up in the South Platte Ranger District. But we're recruiting right now for our land conservation program that will get started in the summer and then also for our health care and construction program. So. You know, last year we saw four to one in applicants. So we had, you know, roughly 200 spots and we had four applicants for every spot there. So there's a need for it. And they're entering into this as they would any job. So they come, they go through an interview process. um, You know, they go through an orientation process. This is a job for them. Men and women. Men and women. And do they get... Paid. It's a they job. Get paid. Right. So they're getting paid for their service. Um, they're getting a biweekly stipend. And then they also are getting that AmeriCorps Education Award I mentioned. So they can use that to pay back student loans or they can use that for future education needs or uh, vocational and tech training. Wow, that's really fantastic. Right. Now, these young people that you say come in to the state of Colorado that want to be part of this, like during a summer program, where do they stay? I mean, do you have like a dorm or provide housing or how does that work? 
Right. So we have some that come out of state and we have a lot of local youth that we work with. So that is a challenge that we're faced with. Um, we have a case management team that works to help mitigate some of the barriers that our, our youth are faced with. So uh, housing insecurity is a big thing. That's a, uh, sure. That's a thing for everyone here in Denver, it feels like. Food insecurity, transportation needs, sometimes child care needs. Um, so we, our case management team will work closely with the core members to help set them up with resources. Um, young people can get really creative, though, with their housing. So a lot of times they'll... Um, you know, find some sort of um, opportunity for them to house uh, together. Sure. Um, we're also working with uh, partners to figure out some of the needs for out-of-state youth who are coming in. And, uh, you know, we have, like, down in our Southern Front Range office, for example, they go out on what we call a hitch crew. So they'll be camping for um, eight days, ten days, and then they come back and they want to camp again. And so at the very least, we want to find them a safe place to do that because, you know, there's, you know, often times where they're finding really creative solutions to that. And so we're always looking for ways to provide housing. Do people open their homes to these students? Does that happen? Sometimes like a foreign exchange student type setup? Right. So interesting that you mentioned that because that is something that we're exploring this year, um, particularly with our partners down in the Colorado Springs area. Um, There's a lot of young people down there that are – Colorado Springs is also dealing with some significant housing insecurity as well and housing shortages. So this is short-term housing, you know, especially in our land program. That's a summer program um, that runs May through August. And then we also have a fall program. But what we're looking for is some short-term solutions that, you know, if people have an Airbnb that they want to open up, if they'd be interested in, you know, renting it out to a young person um we're exploring all of that right now good idea kiddo so the four areas again are energy and water conservation land conservation construction and health care right can we break those down a little bit and tell me what entails each one of those divisions what are they doing i mean these are big topics now energy and water conservation are you kidding me land conservation it's huge not just in colorado but throughout the country don't you think sure So the energy and water program, um, we provide energy and water saving measures and income qualifying homes across the metro area. What that means is uh, a household or an individual can call us up and see if they qualify. Um, And what we'll do is our young people are um, technically trained to go into the home and do an assessment and see what sort of energy and water saving measures we can install. And that could be anything from a sink and shower aerator, ultra high efficiency toilets, programmable thermostats. On average, our um, clients are seeing a $250 savings in their utility bills every year. Seriously? Yeah, so great. And then all of that is paired with culturally competent conservation education. So really simple things like turn off the water when you're brushing your teeth or, you know, turn down the thermostat or here's how you program it. So, you know, in addition, people are able to understand measures that they can take in their home. Now, does that cost to have them come to my house? It comes at no cost if you're eligible. Oh, is that an income-based eligibility? It's an income-based thing. All right. What about the land conservation? I'm curious about that one. Yeah, so the land conservation program, I mean, we live in a... You know, a great state for this sort of thing. Yes. So, yes. So this model is really based on the Civilian Conservation Corps of the 1930s. Um, these are the people that built Red Rocks Amphitheater. So this is um, our crews are hired by agencies um, like the Bureau of Land Management, the Forest Service, to come in and do uh, the backlog of land maintenance programs. So that's everything from trail building, trail maintenance, fire fuel mitigation, flood mitigation, a rock wall building, you name it, they're doing wow. it. That's fantastic. Right. And they're all getting technical skill training. So credentialing in um, chainsaw use, um, 
first aid, wildland first aid, CPR. So these are um, credentialings that they can take and enter into natural resource management when they complete our program. So they're out in the field. They're doing it. They're doing it. It's not a classroom thing. They're out doing it. No, they go through a pretty uh, rigorous two-week training at the beginning of their service term, and then they enter into the field. They're out there. They're doing the work. What about, well, construction kind of speaks for itself, and I'll bet there's a lot of opportunity with all the construction going on around our state in our big city now, isn't there? Right. So the construction program, we partner with the Denver Housing Authority, and our core members will go on a job site that allows them to work with the general contractor so they have exposure to all of the different trades. So they're working with the HVAC guys. They're working with the electrician folks. They're working with the plumbing and piping. And so they have exposure to all of that and at the same time helping to build affordable housing units across the metro area. Well, that really opens the door to a lot of career opportunities. Yeah. I mean, you always hear, seriously, you hear about shortages of plumbers and electricians. They need more of them, and that's what they're learning to do. And the construction industry has identified that in the next 10 years, there's going to be a 25%, you know, half a million jobs are going to be needed um, in this in this pipeline to meet the needs. You can't look at the skyline without seeing cranes here in Denver. Oh, so, that's so true. You know, this is, this is the right um, opportunity for a lot of people. Well, and what about health care? How extensive is that? Can you become a doctor, or is it... A nurse, or what is it? So we partner with the Community College of Denver. This is our newest program. We started in 2017. Um, So we partner with the Community College of Denver to provide um, college-level classes to receive your certificate in nurse aid. And so, you know, this goes back to the Youth Build program. So uh, a lot of the youth that are involved in this program, most of the youth that are involved are high school dropouts. So when they come here, they're they're not only working um, towards their high school equivalency, but they're also taking college-level classes towards that nurse aid certificate. Um, They can you know, pass that state certification as well, and we'll provide those supports for that. Last year was, um, we were really excited. It was uh, the first time that the entire crew had passed that um, certificate in nurse aid through the Community College of Denver. So oh, that's great. Yeah, so we work with um, agencies like Denver Health and Bessie's Hope, providing um, support in elder care so our core members can get firsthand experience in the clinicals and be able to apply the technical skills that they're learning uh, through the Community College of Denver. We're talking about the Mile High Youth Core with Jeslyn Shirazi. Shirazi. Close. <laughs> Director of Development and Communication, who obviously really knows what she's doing. It's it's very exciting. Uh, you think of expanding any of these areas from those four basic job opportunities or education opportunities for them. So I think be, the 2017 inclusion of the healthcare, healthcare sure. right? So. Um, right now, we're looking at what are some opportunities for us to deepen our impact in some of the more rural and frontier communities. So again, we serve 23 counties all the way down to the New Mexico border. And what are the needs that young people are facing in that area of the state, right? So there's right. a lot of backlog of resource, natural resource management that needs to be taken care of. And there's a, not a lot of job opportunities there. So I think that when we think about growth, we're thinking about um, how do we increase the capacity of young people we're serving? Well, you know, rural Colorado, there's a, a lot of folks that somehow feel neglected, and maybe they are neglected. And you guys are going to go out there and help their young people find opportunities, maybe not where they live, but maybe where they live. Yeah. Yeah, we, um, we've we done a lot of um, work in Baca County, Kiowa County, Kit Carson. Oh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. Real rural areas right there. So it, what's the cost of this? I mean, who's paying for all of this? 
Great question. <laughs> well, it, it, it all, no matter who I talk to, it always comes down to the money, doesn't it? It always does. Because people are wondering, well, what does it cost me? Is there government involved? Is there grants? Well, how does it work? Right. So I, I think Mile High Youth Corps is really unique in that more than half of about 50 to 56% of our income comes from fee-for-service models. So when our land crews are out in the field, they're getting paid for that work. When our Energy and Water Corps members are doing um, these installs in homes, we're getting paid um, through you know state and city agencies sure. to do that sort of work. And so we're really um, generating a lot of that income through that way. And then we do have some funding from government grants. We are an AmeriCorps agency, so we do receive funding from that. And then we rely on the generosity of our donors. So we have a diverse funding pool of you know foundations and corporate partners um, and then individuals who really understand the importance of investing in young people. Like donations? Exactly. So you guys must have a website that if somebody's listening we, now going, hey, I've got a child that might be perfect for this. Yes. So milehighyouthcore.org. Um, you can find out a lot more information there about ways to get involved. But we also have a number of um, work opportunities for young people. So if you're a young person or you know a young person, 17 to 24, there's a number of opportunities available right now that are getting started um, in the next few weeks here. Well, that'd be a great, great place to go because, you know, even 17, 18, year, they're looking for jobs, looking for summer jobs. Right. And there you go, because they're hard to find summer jobs for kids that they would really enjoy. This sounds like something not only they're going to learn, they're going to like it. Exactly. I think the challenge is that a lot of times we expect young people to know what they you know, want to do next when they get out of college oh, or when sure, they get out of sure. high school. And so this provides them an opportunity to explore something that they're interested in learning more about, to receive some technical skills in that, and then also to receive credentialing that allows them to be highly um, employable when they leave us. Well, what are your challenges? You've got to have challenges. Talk about that a little bit. Right. So Denver you know, is ninth in the nation for unemployment, which is something to celebrate. Yes, it is. But also a challenge when you're thinking about um, how you compete with retail jobs and, you know, food service jobs. So, you know, they're hiring sometimes at a rate that's higher than what we can offer. And what we're asking young people to do is lift their head up and look further down the road and understand that right. this is an investment in their future. So while the hourly rate for their service term may not be... Um, as high as some of these other competitors. Um, we're also pairing that with the education award that they can use to pay back student loans or to pay forward in other education needs. And they're receiving the technical skills and highly desirable um, workforce. Well, what you're offering is long time living, not a summer job handing hamburgers out a window. Exactly. So this is something that's really important. And you're, you said it so right. You need to sit down and think about that. Where do you want to be in five years or ten years? I can remember sitting down with my kids that are all grown out and having that conversation. It's great. You know, you're going to go up to the slopes and sell ski tickets. Well, that's great. What are you going to do twenty years from now? This is the vision you're providing. Exactly. So providing, and you know, like I said before, it, some of it is the technical skills in these career pathways, and a, and a lot of it is these essential skills training. So, you know, that's transferable. Cuft, customer service, communication, leadership skills, those they can take with them and apply to any sort of workforce. That's a good thing. I know you, with all this work you're doing in conservation, there must be projects 
going on that maybe you can talk about around the state of Colorado. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So we were really excited last year to be part of a partnership that was working on the Pikes Peak Devil's Playground Trail. So this is America's mountain, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, so a highly popular mountain. Uh, The Devil's Playground Trail is a high-use trail. Um, It was dealing with significant damage from um, water washout and also just high use. So we had an all-female, female-identifying crew up there working. Cool. For the summer. Yeah, so helping to rebuild that trail. It's a multi-year um, project. So, you know, go up there, take a look, see if you see our bright green uniforms out there on the trail. So we were really excited about that. What and, else? I know there's something yeah, coming. There I can was, see. There's something else. Um, so for our energy and water program, we were really excited to offer a free porcelain recycling program. So, you know, when our core members are going into homes and they're installing um, these ultra high efficiency toilets, they're removing these um, wasteful toilets. Right. And what do we do with that? So we were, you know, really thinking about how could we be more efficient in that? Um, so we have partnered with the Colorado Springs Utilities um, Company to recycle the porcelain that comes from those um, toilet installs. And so what happens is we have a dumpster on site at one of our facilities here in Denver. And, um, you know, every few months, Colorado Springs will come up. They'll take the dumpster down to their facility in the springs, and they will crush it and use it for road base for um, transit projects around the state. Is that right? I've never heard of such a thing. Uh, well, see, it's one of Denver's best kept secrets. Yeah, here we go. I mean, you know, you rip out a toilet, you just throw it away, right? Yeah, exactly. You don't wow. think about that. No, you don't. That's a great idea. Any other neat things you're doing like that? Yeah, so also our um, energy and water program is working closely with some of the state agencies to get families set up for the LEAP program. So um, the LEAP program is an energy assistance program that helps um, households sign up and receive some help with their utility bills. And so people can find out more at our website, milehighyouthcore.org, but we would love um, to come in and do an energy assessment and help get people set up for uh, the LEAP program. That that really is a hot topic, that energy assessment thing, because people, I've had that done. I was stunned. Because I think I'm pretty efficient. I'm turning lights off. I keep the heat down. I, I th- I'm doing it right. I wasn't even close. It was amazing what I learned. Yeah. So I'm sure what you're offering and, and helping these young people is something people should really take advantage of. And again, you said there was no cost involved with that? There's no cost for income qualifying homes. So yeah, they'll come in with an infrared camera and really have an understanding of where you, um, you know, losing energy in your home and what sort of measures can we take to make you more efficient. Um, If there's installs available that we can't do, we'll refer you to some of our partner agencies that do um, what we call tier two retrofits. So some weatherization projects and, um, you know, pipe wrapping, stuff like that. Well, new toilets, who's paying for that? I would think you, I'd have to pay for that if you're coming to my house. You would not have to pay for that, Murphy. So we will do that for free as long as your income qualifies. Well, you know my motto, if it's free, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like my father. <laughs> well, I'm sure we, he and I get along real well. <laughs> real well. So how long have you been involved with uh, the Mile High Youth Corps yourself, Jessalyn? Right. So I've been with Mile High Youth Corps for almost three years. You like yeah. it? I can I, tell you. I love it. Yeah. yeah. There's something um, so important about seeing this change with young people. So they come in, um, you know, they don't know what they want to do. They're you know, feeling a little um, little bit scared about what the future holds. And when you see them at the end of the program, it, it's such a, you know, 180, where they have such a level of confidence and a level of understanding of where they're going. Yeah. 
that would be very rewarding because mm-hmm. it would take a lot of courage for these young people just to step up unless their parents are pushing them or maybe are their parents involved? Do you see the parents bring their young people down? And this is something you ought to look at kind of thing. Yeah, so I, sometimes we'll see that. You know, that's part of our um, network of outreach that we depend on. Um, a lot of it comes from word of mouth. So your cousin went through the program, your sister went through the program. You know, grandma said, it's uh, this is a great thing I heard about through my church. So, you know, we really rely on those networks. Well, that's a good thing. So what's your vision? Where, where do you want to go? Where does uh, Mile High Youth Corps want to be in? We just talked about it. Five years, ten years. What's going to happen? Because you guys have been around a long time already and done a lot. We have been. But you're going to continue to have a vision, I'm sure. Yeah. So when we think about the future, we think about where are some of these career pathways going? So... What sort of advanced credentialing can we provide our young people? Um, In the land program, for example, this is the second year we've offered a winter fire crew. So we know that there's a significant need for wildland firefighters in our state and across the nation. And so we're meeting that need by providing um, an opportunity through a partnership with the Forest Service for our core members to receive their red card, which is an interagency card that lets them become a wildland firefighter. And right now they're working in the South Platte Ranger District. I'm doing fire fuel mitigation, and if they get called up for service, then they'll, they'll be ready to go. And can they become part of those teams that do, because of their experience, fly around the country, go to California to help fight those fires? Do they become of that that level? They do. So last year was our um, pilot program. Um, of the 18 core members that participated in that program, um, all of them received placement after the program, and more than half of them received placement in a natural resource management. So we had one um, core member leave and go to Alaska to be a wildland firefighter. We had some folks, um, you know, stay in the state and do wildland firefighting. But this is uh, an increased need uh, around sure the country, is. around the state, unfortunately. Yeah. And so, you know, when we look at the future, what sort of opportunities for um, – certification and credentialing can we provide young people so that they can enter into this ever-changing field well it's a good thing it just seems as i'm sitting here you said you had just a little over 200 students Mm -hmm. why is it not bigger why is it at 500 students just because of the capacity of what you can offer them or why yeah, so we have a high resource model. So 200 students or 200 core members every year is um, provides us the opportunity to give a really holistic approach. So they're working uh, through learning these technical skills. They're also getting case management to mitigate some of these significant barriers. And they're also realizing serious success when they leave us. You know, in your question about where we see ourselves in the next five or ten years, we understand that there's an increased need for this program, and Absolutely. we're going to need to probably increase our capacity to serve more. But we don't want to mitigate the high um, resource model that we have, and so we're taking the steps necessary to um, understand what that would look like to increase that capacity. What kind of feedback do you get from some of these students? Is it an immense gratification that, mm-hmm. hey, you you might have saved me? Because I didn't know what I was going to be doing, and now look what I'm doing. That's got to be a reward when you see and hear from these students that you're helping. Yeah, so we do some post-program um, evaluation, and you know we're excited to say 100% are saying that they feel positively impacted by this work. Um, we have core members who, you know, 
when we have our youth build graduation, are really proud to bring their family members and celebrate that because they're wearing a cap and gown in a, in a time when they didn't think that that was ever going to happen. And so we see a lot of opportunities for celebration and joy um, because our core members are seeing significant um, change in the trajectory of their life. It's a, it's, a, it's a great thing. Do you use some of these students, these graduates, to go out and do your recruiting? Because obviously you're doing a lot of recruiting. We do. So at, currently one-third of our staff is alumni. Oh, so is it? That's cool. They remain committed to the work. And so they're going out and they're helping and they're sharing their, sh- um, their lived experience with um, future core members. Do you actually go into the schools sometimes? We do. Like high schools and junior colleges or Mm -hmm. how does that work yeah so um we have partnerships with counselors and advisors across um you know school districts um, around the state and they'll offer us an opportunity to come in and share about the opportunity um sometimes you know students get to a place where they feel like i can't this isn't for me high school is not for me and so maybe they're starting to think about what that next step looks like or they're getting ready to graduate and they're thinking about i'm not sure that i'm ready to go to college what are these next steps look like that would allow me time to identify and you were mentioning you have for each op- op- or opportunity you have four applicants trying to get in. How long do the applicants have to wait? Could, could they be on a year, two years? How do, before you say, well, maybe it's time to move on to something else. No, so we're um, interviewing that whole process. Sure. So we want everyone to at least hear from us. A lot of times. Um, you know, people will self-certify like this isn't a match for me at this point. And so um, once they go through that job interview, we have an idea of what the right candidate looks like for each one of the career pathways. Um, And they experience that just like they would any other job. But they are getting um, recognized and um, going through that pipeline. Sometimes we'll tell them this isn't the right time. Maybe you should think about doing, you know, X, Y, and Z and then come back to us in a year. Well, see, that was my point. You Mm -hmm. keep in communication. So these people say, I don't hear from anybody. What's going on kind of thing. And you know, that happens out there that does, and yeah. then they get all discouraged well they don't care about me well that's not the fact at all mm-hmm. you do care about them we do very much care yeah we have a um you know a strong alumni network too that we work with that helps us stay engaged with some of our you know applicants because a lot of times that comes in referral too so we want to make sure people understand that um you know we're here for them and we want to continue to provide opportunities for them well, Jesslyn, good job over there. I've learned a lot today, and I hope you guys have too, about Mile High Youth Corps. So let's just uh, kind of recap in our short time left. Where do we find more information? Because I guarantee you there are folks listening right now say, that could be perfect for my child. Right. Where does it start? So you can find out more on our website, milehighyouthcore.org. Um, we've got some really great opportunities. You can find out about the free energy assessments in your home on the website um, and how to get signed up for the LEAP program. And then if you're a young person or you know a young person ages 17 to 24, there's a number of service opportunity, job opportunities listed on that site. Is there a phone number or don't you have that opportunity to have people call? Right. So if you are um, interested in learning more via phone, you can call us at 303 303- Four three three one two zero six. That's Mile High Youth Corps. Thanks for coming in today. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, good stuff. And thank you guys for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. It's Mile High Magazine. I'm Murphy Houston. We will talk to you next weekend.